Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning, wrestling fans, and welcome to another episode of the Bash Mania podcast. I am your host, Justin Bash, and today, three-time U.S. Open champ, three-time world team member, and current New Jersey RTC head coach, Reese Humphrey, is on the show. We're going to get to know Reese a bit and talk about topics like transitioning from being an athlete to a coach, moving from the West Coast to the East Coast, and we're going to lead into the Bill Farrell this weekend, which, if you're not excited for the Farrell, are you even a wrestling fan? For the potential casual fan, real quick, the Bill Farrell is the first qualifier for the 2020 Olympic trials, and it is just loaded with good talent. Half of this year's NCAA champions, Anthony Kassar, Drew Foster, Makai Lewis, Jason Nolf, and Nick Soriano, and also three runner-ups being Chenzo Joseph, Joey McKenna, and Tyler Berger are all competing in this tournament. Everybody is vying for the first opportunity to qualify for the Olympic trials. And only the top U.S. competitor, because it is an international tournament, only the top U.S. place winner in each weight qualifies for the Olympic Games. Next month, on December 21st and 22nd in Texas, there is the Senior Nationals where the top five guys compete. But still, Everybody is so excited for the Olympics and to start qualifying and just wrestling in general that you're just, this is like the U.S. Open that you normally see in Vegas. I know wrestling can be a confusing sport to follow as a casual fan, so if you have questions, just tweet me, at Justin J. Bash on Twitter, and I'm at J. Bash on Instagram. I'll definitely do my best to help you understand anything you might be missing. And listen, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, doesn't matter. Wherever you're listening right now has the ability to subscribe. Just hit that subscribe button. All right, I think we've set the stage for the show, for Reese, for the Feral. Let's get this thing started. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. All right, we have the highlight reel, Reese Humphrey. How are you, Reese? Doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm really pumped for how this show kind of came together because we were talking about it over the weekend, and we both kind of decided like, we got to hype up and discuss the feral. It's just absolute madness. So let, let's get into a little bit of who you are, your background, and we'll kind of go back and forth between everything and everywhere you've been and leading up to to your coaching now and, and the fair this weekend. So getting started, you your dad was a phenomenal wrestler. Was, was he born and raised in Indiana? Uh, no, he was. Uh, his dad was in the military, so they were kind of all around, but he was born in Florida. Okay. Because then you, like, obviously you don't think Indiana and think wrestling, but you, I think you and, you know, very few others when you think born and raised in Indiana, like, you were really good, and I'm assuming that was because your dad kind of got you started. Yeah, he did, but he had a pretty interesting approach. He uh, he really didn't show me 
the ropes of wrestling. He didn't force me to do it. I was never pushed into it. I came home one day and I told him I wanted to wrestle mainly because my buddies were wrestling and um, he, his eyes kind of lit up and I remember it to this day. Like, like he could show me some stuff and I'm sure that he had dropped a few hints here and there and all his friends of course. were wrestlers, but he was in sales at the time. So it's like, I wasn't really around it. Like my kids are with me today and, um, and it's wrestling is his life for sure. So I'm sure he had a lot to do with me choosing wrestling, but, uh, it didn't feel like that from, from my perspective. Now, and then what led you to, you get excited. First of all, when did you know you were good? Like you've, you've been good your whole life. Like when did you realize that? So I wrestled around with my brother in the living room all the time. And then I was just, I was undefeated in my first year. So I was, I was good right away. Um, and so, I, I mean, I just kind of knew I had a knack for it. Some people just have the feel, um, being athletic and just kind of knowing where to go, um, when we're in danger or, or just kind of the counter moves yep. in the beginning. And uh, I'm watching that with my little boy right now. He just kind of, knows where to go i was cracking up at your post last week <laughs> yeah <laughs> like on the mats. he's funny dude um yeah we're having a lot of fun with it and i kind of tried to take that same approach and wrestling's so hard you have to do it for yourself yeah uh so i didn't want to push him into it but we tried basketball we tried soccer we tried all all these different sports and he didn't really like them so i was like all right i'm gonna show him the one that that's really fun <laughs> right and uh he, he's he loves it man he he fights me like if, if I ask him to go to the movies or go to do fun stuff, wrestling, no fight. He wants to go. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a blessing, too, to be able to – I can't wait to start having kids and seeing, like, which of my passions align with them. I mean, wrestling is obviously your biggest passion, so to be able to share that, that's, that's definitely pretty cool. So you grew up in Indiana knowing you're good. What led you to Ohio State? Uh, well, my dad was actually taking a coaching position there. Um, and he was only there for one year when Russ Hellickson was there and then, uh, Tom Ryan came in and they all got fired. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, I don't know. It was just, a, it was time for a change at Ohio state and it was a really good thing for me too. Um, but that was one of the reasons why, uh, I was really into training partners, Jay Jaggers, TJ Enright. Those guys were going to be right around my weight, but Ohio state was trash when I first got there. I think they were 11th when I signed Wow. and then we were 50th, my true freshman year and then we took off from there when when tom took over yeah and, Luzella, and those guys kind of changed the program but it was a lot of russ hellickson's recruits uh with me and jay and and lance palmer and then tom yep. brought over mike basillo and that was kind of the four guys that were leading the way with colt sponsor was in there too so um it was a lot of russ's recruits but yeah i chose ohio state because of the partners and i knew that if if we had some good scraps right around my weight, I was going to be good individually. And then it just worked out that the team got really good too. And when you graduated, there was no Ohio RTC yet, right? Didn't you wrestle there, out of the NYAC? No, there, I, I was NYAC, but I was also Ohio RTC. Uh, it started with Tom, Tommy Rollins and Joe Heskett okay. were the two guys. And they were training their freestyle all the time. And, and I think they were both fifth in the world. So it was a really good start, but yeah. Um, I don't think really RTCs were a thing back then. We might have been one of the first ones. And then there was just kind of like three or four. It was Ohio State, Iowa, yeah, um, maybe Penn State. I'm not even sure if they had one. But it was just kind of the big schools that were doing it, and we were the best. We had five on the team out of seven weight classes back then. So uh, it, it popped off there too. 
And then it, it seems like if you if you look at your entire career, and if your dad's in the military moving around, it kind of makes sense. But I'm curious, like you know, you go from Indiana to Ohio, and then transitioning post your career, you I believe your first coaching position was at Tight Mercury, right in California. Yeah, yeah so, it was. So you go from what what led you to Tight Mercury? Um. I think we were at the NCAAs and my buddy Deron Wynn who's in the UFC. Now you guys know him. Yep. Uh, wrestled for a long time. Uh, we were just talking, he's good friends with those Titan Mercury guys. And it just like kind of got brought up in passing. I think we were just like at a social event and then it just like randomly turned into a real thing like that night and, uh, ended up being a pretty good position for me to start coaching. And, and I think I still had a couple years left in me on the mats, but, um, it's a lot of work to, to maybe be on the team. And I think that my prime had kind of passed and I, I didn't think I could medal at the worlds at that point. And so I, t- I took the job and, uh, and coaching seems to be where I really fit in. So I'm having a blast with it all. Yeah. And it seems like such a natural fit for you. And, and before I kind of ask you why you transitioned from tight into the NJRTC, I'm curious what you is, what level of self-awareness is it to say, all right, whether I can medal or not, maybe it's time for this coaching. What leads you to make those decisions and feel confident about it? Or is there a bit of like afterwards, like I know some guys kind of, they always wonder a little bit, should I go back or should I do this? Like, how do you know? And does it feel confident when you make these decisions, whether it's going to Titan, going to the NJRTC, what is that making that decision like? Yeah. So for me, it's like, you're never hundred percent confident. You know, I just, I took all the, the variables and I, I thought it was more positive than, uh, than the wrestling route. And yeah, it's hard to quit, to, to hang the shoes up. It's really hard to make that decision. I still battle with it today. I'm on the mat every single day. I'm sure you can make I 61 still. still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening, <laughs> but no, but I, I always think about it still to this day. Like if you think you can lace them up and try, um, I would suggest to, to go that route. But for me, it's like coaching is, is the same kind of competitive nature, same kind of challenge. And uh, I would rather coach an Olympic champ than be an Olympic champ. And, and I don't think that's true for a lot of people. But for me, it feels the same. Yeah, um, I'm in there grinding, sweating, bleeding with these guys. And um, just because they get to get their hand raised, I feel, I feel that from the corner because yeah. we put in the same work. And um, I think that's why we're having a lot of success. But uh, – you're never really confident in the choices. And, and I just, I took the interview to Jersey and to the NJRTC and it felt, I mean, as confident as I could be, but it's yeah. still hard to leave what you, what you left behind. I had my brother coaching out there in California with me. It was California. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but once I took the visit here, it was kind of a no brainer. The coaches at Princeton, the coaches at Rutgers are all awesome. Uh, I could see their, their enthusiasm and what they want to do. And I could see their vision of where the program is headed and uh, once we got here, the RTC kind of blew up, and both of those programs were blowing up. So it was, uh, I think it was a good choice for me. And it almost sounds like the way you're describing it, it sounds like an athlete taking a college visit, like trying to make that right fit, seeing what people believe in, seeing what the vision is. Was it similar to that? Like taking a visit, like you just kind of, it's interesting, I think they use that verbiage, like taking a visit. Was that the feel for it? Like kind of like, testing them almost to see yeah it's the same kind of process and for these kids that that go to five different schools and they're all awesome uh these blue chip guys that are going to the five best schools or however you want to look at it um 
you're never going to be super confident, but once you make the decision, be all in. And, uh, and I think that's how these guys are going to do better and have reached their full potential. And I kind of went that same route. It felt like a recruiting visit. Um, for me, you could call it an interview, yeah. but it was the same kind of deal as a recruiting visit. I took the visit. I uh, looked at both campuses. I saw what, what the positives and negatives were. And it's, it was a no brainer for me to come here. And it's funny too because you're seeing the the transfers at all levels, even like on the RTC level, like seeing Ironman to Iowa now, Snyder to the NLWC. Like you're seeing so much of, of people, I think, trying to get better and having more opportunities. Have you noticed a, a massive difference in that from even from when you were competing, especially like in college and graduating college to now? Have you noticed that there's that growth there of having different opportunities, whether it's coaching, whether it's competing? Whatever level you're at, it seems like there's so many opportunities now that didn't exist before. Yeah, like I said, the RTCs, it was just Ohio, Iowa, and then a couple more uh, in the beginning. And the funding was not what it is today. And it's just that wrestling is blowing up. Uh, it happened on the college scene maybe five, ten years ago. And now yeah. it's happening on the freestyle scene. And uh, there's more money in it. People are getting more followers, more sponsors. Uh, it's just wrestling is more popular right now and people are understanding the value of keeping these guys in the room. They're superstars that you only get four coaches, but you could have as many RTC guys as you want. And, and the trickle down from the RTC senior level guys to the college, it's, it's unmatched. It's almost, uh, an unfair advantage, but these guys are doing their own thing. And in our room, we, we don't even work out with the college guys. Sometimes they come into my practice, but we're a separate entity. But seeing it, having these guys pass each yeah. other in the hall and seeing what being all in and being a professional athlete and what it takes, uh, that trickles down. And then the technique, when they are in the room together, sharing knowledge and trying to figure out this sport, um, it's, it's beneficial for both the senior guys and the college guys. And uh, you really can't match it. And it's interesting, too, because it's been interesting watching where people's as the sport seems to evolve. It's interesting watching everybody in the sport evolve, like watching you evolve from an athlete to a coach. I mean, I think Don Bashada has said it like 50 times over the last year when everybody's mentioning, like, basically what's in the water in Jersey. And Don's like. Reese Humphreys in the water yeah, in Jersey. Right. So yeah. it's it's so evident that you've like like you have that passion where you said it, you'd rather coach an Olympic champion than be an Olympic champion. What was that transition like from athlete to coach? Was it a natural progression? I mean it, it's always you had such a passion for for being the athlete. Now you have such a passion for being the coach. What was that transition of passion like? Um, I mean, it's just, it's just hard work and it's just being all in, in the, in the scenario that I'm in, you know, you play the cards that you're dealt and, um, I can't think about being an athlete when I'm a coach. So yeah. I'm all in on this process and, uh, I'm trying to be as passionate and as motivated as I can, trying to find different ways to, to push my guys and trying to do better than I was yesterday. And, uh, I'm, being an athlete is still really fresh to me. So I, I kind of feel what these guys are feeling yep. and I can read the room well because I, it's not that long ago that I was in the, that grind right. and some days I needed a day off or some days I, I needed it to be lighter. And sometimes my coach wouldn't notice that. And yep. Roselli and Tom Ryan, those guys were phenomenal. But it's like I'm trying to evaluate all the, the different scenarios for my guys. Graf is different than Downey and Bryce Meredith's a different cat than Nate Jackson. It's like everybody's on these different walks of life but I'm just trying to do the best I can for each individual guy. And I really only have eight guys right now. And uh, so it's pretty easy to, to know everybody and what they are, 
where they are with their weight and how they feel. Um, and so I think that that's a good part of what we're doing, paying attention to these guys and trying to evaluate each practice separately and uh, do the best we can. And that's kind of where I was headed next is that, you know, New Jersey and the NJRTC has had such a good year having, you know, both Downey and Graf on the world team last year. And it's kind of like, I don't want to say it happened overnight, but you made such an impact. Is that what you would attribute to that impact? Trying to feel the athlete out and knowing what they need and trying to bring a different element of coaching that we maybe haven't seen as much before? Yeah, I think it's a, a big part of it, just knowing your athlete and, and seeing what makes them tick. Because at, at this level, it's hard to change habits. Yeah. Uh, there's so many different ways you can do things. But I just think positionally, there's some things that you can't get away from, having your head in the way, fighting for inside ties, shooting with your head up, back straight, hips in. All those things are pretty fundamental um, that a lot of guys miss. Yeah. Um, and so like our process and I'm, I'm buddies with my guys, but they also respect me enough to, to listen as best as they can. But it's still frustrating for them. So we, we kind of have this process where they fight me and then they think about it in the car and they call me like, man, that, that actually will work. And then they try it and then it doesn't work. And then they go back and they try it again. But these guys are really bought into the process and they know it's frustrating and they know I'm really trying to help them, though. <clears throat> um, and now that we're having success, it's like it's becoming a lot easier. Everybody's trying to listen and trying to figure it out because um, the stuff that we're teaching is, I think it's pretty basic, but it's, it's working. So um, yeah, go ahead. So what would, you know, and now when, when you're having that level of success with your athletes, are you noticing that guys like Meredith are watching that from the outside and saying, let me come here? Or are you like actively recruiting guys to grow the NJRTC from an athlete standpoint? Uh, with Bryce, Bryce was coming for like a week, a month, a week, every other month. And, uh, and I thought that was great for us yeah. and it was a really good situation for us. And then he, he kind of made the decision on his own that he wanted to be here full time. And which I thought was a, a really savage move because yeah. it's hard for a 20 year old, 24 year old to Heck move yeah. across the country, leave your family, leave your friends. Um, and in the beginning we were trying to recruit guys and it seemed like everybody loved the vision and, and loved what was going on here, but a lot of guys couldn't really make that move. Yeah. So, um, I commend Bryce for, for making that jump, leaving his friends, leaving his family to chase his dream of being world Olympic champion. And, uh, it's guys like that, that I want on my team. I want athletes. I want guys who are really tough. Um, yeah. we can fix the technique. You can't really teach toughness and you yeah. can't teach will. And, uh, and so those are the guys that I'm looking for, these guys who will listen, who are smart enough to listen. And, yep. and the guys that we have are all very tough. Graf and Downey, um, everybody says, like, it happened overnight, <clears throat> but these guys were close for a long time. They just needed yeah. a couple little positional things and uh, some good guidance and some coaches that believed in them for Downey to be consistent and come to practice every day. You got to believe in what you're doing. And uh, these guys all believe in the NJRTC and what Coach Ayers and Coach Goodale are doing over at Princeton and Rutgers. And uh, they show up every day with a really good mindset. And that's why we're, we're gaining on everybody. And it's it, and again, you're right. It's not overnight. It's, it's those small little changes of people who are close, especially when we get to a place where USA Wrestling is so deep right now. And we're seeing that with the Feral. And we kind of saw that, you know, last year we saw – everybody saw the impact Jersey had – I mean, four out of 10, I think, national champs were from Jersey. Four guys uh, were on the world team, two that are training in Jersey, and then Green and Burroughs from Jersey. And, and, and it was such an impactful year. What, what do you see happening 
this year as guys continue to level up you know you have now guys like Downey and Graf who were on the world team and now know what they need to do to get back there you have guys like Ashnault and other guys who are going to be graduating and staying in the region what do you think that impact is going to be this year after that kind of first year uh it's going to help a lot uh it's, it's showing guys it's like when you win an NCAA title you have a freshman that wins an NCAA title it shows it makes the recruiting process so much easier because you can get it done right away. That's yeah. what we have right now. Uh, if you come and train at the NJRTC, you could be on the world team. Um, we had Downey who couldn't find a home. I think he was enrolled in every single school in Iowa, <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State, Iowa Central, yeah. maybe one more. Um, and then now he's here. He's home. He's consistent. You can make those changes and you can go from being a guy who is fifth to eighth every year to a Downey, who was undefeated domestically in 2019. He didn't lose a match in an Olympic weight. It's a pretty good spot to be. Um, Nate Jackson was a two-time All-American, and now he just won the Medved. And I promise you he's going to do very, very well this weekend at the Bill Farrell. Um, Bryce Meredith, Matt Kalodzik is with us now. These guys are, are going to show up this weekend. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good for recruiting, and I think it's going to keep these Jersey boys in jersey um everybody that wins a state title we're a lot, little ignorant and we think we're going to be olympic champions like right away <laughs> right. Uh, so having having that that trail to do that at least laying it out it helps the recruiting process a lot and um airs is a special guy because he he separates us and he wants us to do freestyle all the time and we are a separate entity and we don't a lot of these rtcs are kind of attached to, to help the college program yeah we're not that we are going to help the college program by being the best freestyle wrestlers we can. And uh, if we win a world and Olympic title, that's going to help him. Yep. And he does, he goes to work fundraising Goodale. They fundraise like crazy and the budget is really tight for us, but um, they see the value in us doing our own thing. And, um, and I mean, I think that's how it's going to happen. I think we're going to keep all these really good Jersey kids very soon. If not like right now. So speaking of the Bill Farrell, it is this this weekend, and, and you've been in in you've been in that position where the road to the world team, whether it's a world team or Olympic team, you've been on that journey. You've made three world teams. How how hyped are you for the Bill Farrell, knowing that guys can start qualifying now for the Olympic trials? Um, and I. I'm honestly surprised that so many guys are going to the Bill Farrell. I didn't think it was going to be this stacked because I assume that the senior nationals in December where the top five guys qualify, I assume people were going to kind of wait and just go there knowing, okay, Bill Farrell's only, you know, the top guy. How hyped are you for that? And what also do you think is the reason so many guys are going to the Farrell? Yeah, it's the Olympic year. Everybody's pumped up. Um, all these guys take an Olympic red shirt. That's kind of a new thing. There's like maybe 20 guys sitting out of the college season. So they have to compete at the Bill Farrell. Um, all the senior guys, it's like, it's easy to get to. It's hard yeah. to find tournaments that are at our caliber when, when guys are this good. And if you don't have to travel overseas for that, I think it's just a good opportunity to do that. But I'm excited for my guys. We don't get to compete that often and we don't get to showcase our skills. It's like we don't really know how much better we're getting because we have the same battles in the room. Everybody's elevating, and this is going to be a chance to showcase that, and I'm excited. I'm excited as a coach. I'm excited for my guys, and I'm excited as a fan to be able to watch 
the best of the best because the Bill Farrell is essentially the U.S. Open right now. Yeah. And it's almost more stressful because only one guy goes. And with this kind of turnout, it's like, I think we should add qualifiers. Yeah. Um, but it's the it's the U.S. Open. Everybody's going outside of the guys that are on the world team or qualified because they were on the world team. And so it's like everybody's there. And so it's a it's awesome experience. It's going to be a great tournament. I'm excited to see how it all turns out. Um, and let's go. Yeah, I'm pumped, dude. I you know I wasn't gonna go, and, and then as soon as I started seeing the entries, I'm like, all right, I gotta go. Um, so, in, in, in keeping on that same topic of, of the feral and, and people going, what what is your expectation for the feral for this season? Is there? I know so many times that I've heard coaches are are satisfied by effort do you have an expectation of effort or do you have an expectation of like okay the the njrtc should have x number of olympic team members or like what is your expectation for both the feral and then for the rest of the season yeah i mean it's hard to create real expectations my expectations have been high for every single tournament we've gone to and we've been kind of in a crazy position where every tournament we've been to the whole time we've been here we've been a program for a year year and a half and we went to the Schultz, which was kind of soft, and we exceeded my expectations. We had a champ, a finalist, two medalists. Went to the Open, all four of our guys placed. And then we went to the Trials, Graf, Downey, Ashnaud in the top three, and Nate Jackson getting top five. Uh, it's, these guys keep ex- exceeding my expectations when I've set the bar very high for them because I think we're doing a lot of really good things, and these guys are bought in. And um, so my expectations are high again. Uh, the competition is even tougher. We went to the world championships and somehow the Bill Farrell is going to be just as tough. And then leading into the Olympic qualifier, Olympic trials, uh, it just continues to get tougher. And uh, so we continue to be the underdogs somehow, but we're working like we're the underdogs. And and uh, I'm excited to see these guys compete. And it's got to be cool, too, that you guys, everybody trained in JRTC doesn't really have to travel for this. It's in your backyard. You yeah. think that helps you, too? Yeah. I do think it helps us. Uh, for an hour, we're going to drive over there Friday and stay at the NYAC. It's like about as easy as it can get. We're going to be at the venue. Um, it's an hour to get there. We drive there apart. It's going to be super easy, super convenient. Our guys get to make weight at home and then maybe do one workout yeah. at the NYAC. It's just it's very convenient. No flying, no travel. Our guys are going to feel exactly how they feel in the practice room. And what I see in the room is a really good thing. For sure, man. And listen, for those people who want to get involved and help and contribute to the NJRTC's success, what can they do? We need help at the NJRTC. If you guys have any spare change, you can donate at NewJerseyRTC.com. If you want to check out some of the different things that we're getting into, go to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Highlight Humphrey. We've vlogged every competition this past season, and uh, I just want to find a way to get it to more people because I think it's really cool what we're doing. Uh, we have a World Championships vlog coming out very soon. We vlogged our trip to the Swiss Alps on our active recovery day while we were out there. Um, and then we did the the Medved, the Minsk, Belarus vlog. So we, we've been capturing a lot of this stuff that's been going on. If you want to see what we've been doing all year, you can check that out. You can follow me at Highlight Humphrey. You can follow the NJRTC at NJRTC on Instagram. So thanks for having me out, man. Of course. And I'll link everything up in the description for any of you guys who want to help out the NJRTC. Reese is doing so many great things over there and he could use all the help. 
he can get. So, all right, Reese, I will see you this weekend. Everybody else, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Leave the podcast a review. Send me some feedback. Let me know who you want to have on this show. And we will be back soon with another episode. See ya. And the beat goes on.